Right now, it seems like there's still a lot to discover about Congressman George Santos. So George Santos is a Republican lawmaker who represents the New York 3rd District, which comprises of some parts of Long Island and Queens. Camila DeShalas has been covering the congressman. She says George Santos won his seat because on the campaign trail, he ticked several boxes for voters. When he was running for office, he really boasted about his background on finance, and he told people that, you know, he was an openly gay Republican going out and wanting to really represent people in this district. And that really allured people. I mean, he had a lot of people in the Republican Party really backing his run for office and then also residents that really rallied behind him just given his background. All of this made George Santos feel like a unicorn in the Republican Party. But a lot of the things he told people on the campaign trail have unraveled pretty quickly. When he ran for office, he said that he was a businessman, that he worked for a city group in Goldman Sachs. And he listed off a number of his achievements and even a charity that he started to help animals. And it was revealed after he was elected into office that a lot of the things that he said he did was not true. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Elahe Izadi. It's Thursday, January 19th. Today, the talented Mr. Santos and his many fabrications. Camila talks with my co-host Martine Powers about these scandals. They are causing big problems for people in Congress and for the people in the district Santos represents. How did Santos do in the election? He did fairly well. Like This was a district that is largely Democratic. Biden won it in 2020. But this was a fairly competitive race that a lot of people overlooked. And maybe this is why people didn't look that deeply into his past. But when it was really revealed about, you know, what he said that he did and that a lot of the large parts of his work history was fabricated, this blew a lot of people to surprise. And tell me more about that moment. Why was it such a big deal when it became clear the extent to which it seems this politician was saying things that were not true? In Congress, especially lawmakers, you know, there's always this sense that maybe something is being a little exaggerated or there's small white lies. But we've never seen something of this extent of where when you really try to go back into more details about where this person worked, the groups and organizations he started, or even the things that he said about himself. At one point, he called himself biracial, saying that he was Black, and then talked about his grandparents and his Jewish descent. But a lot of these things that when you really started looking deeply into you could not verify. And a lot of this just seemed simply made up. And why? Like, why did he do this? It's really unclear. I've talked to several voters in his district, and a lot of them feel like they were deceived. Even voters that ended up voting for him feel like they lost all sense of trust in him, any confidence that they had that he can efficiently do his job, because they simply don't know who he actually is. They know the person that they once voted for, the idea of him. But then to find out that a lot of things he said were just simply not true, now they seem confused and they say that they just don't have confidence of his ability to actually lead because they don't know who they really voted for. It's interesting to see some of these untruths that have been reported out because some of them seem like they're 
pretty clear resume padding, something that obviously a person would want to uh, fluff up or to exaggerate because they think it'll look good to constituents. But some of them just seem bizarre. I mean, I- I've seen reporting that he lied about the circumstances of his mother's death. Can you explain that? Yes, this was something that even us as reporters, when we were digging into, we found a little strange. He said about his mother's passing that she died years ago and went into elaborate detail, but then to kind of find out that that was simply untrue, that she passed way after the date that he actually said. And so... Well, didn't he say that she died on September 11th? He said that 9-11 claimed his mother's life But when we really looked into more records on her death, we found that she actually died in 2016. So this was just more than just him lying simply about where he worked. He lied about several things in his personal life. And what has Santos said about all of this and about the reporting on things that he said that are not true? So initially, when the New York Times reported about George Santos fabricating large portions of his work history, he stayed largely silent. He refused to answer reporters' questions about this. However, WABC was able to get an interview with him where he finally, on the record, talked about these allegations against him. When he first came out with his interview where he acknowledged the reports about him fabricating large parts of his resume, he said that he was simply embarrassed that he exaggerated some of the things on his resume, but that he still felt he was best equipped to be in Congress and really represent people in his district. In in these times is when you really know who has your back. And I have had an immense amount of support. And I really want to thank each and every person. And I want to make sure that if I disappointed anyone by resume embellishments, I'm sorry. There are still some questions that reporters still had. For example, where a lot of the finances from his campaign came. On his campaign records, he said that he gave himself $700,000. But if he didn't work in the places that he said he worked, it does raise that question, then where did that money come from? So are people asking that question of where that money came from or investigating this in a more formal way or looking into other ways that he or his campaign used money? This is the biggest question that George Santos is facing is about campaign finance and whether he violated any laws around that. One of the things that congressional candidates have to do is fill out financial disclosure forms, and they have to do that as accurately as possible. But if they knowingly falsify any information that they put on these disclosure forms, then that could violate a number of laws. And so that in particular is what people are looking at. Did he knowingly falsify any information that he put on his financial disclosure forms? And on these forms, you have to say where your income comes from, all these campaign donations. And so that is going to be heavily scrutinized. So what's also so strange here is the timing of all of this, because voters weren't given the opportunity to vote for him knowing the fullness of who he is as a candidate. Now he is in Congress. He's been sworn in to the House of Representatives. What have his first weeks in office been like so far? Since Santos came into office, we've seen a small glimpse of what it could potentially be like in the next two years. Even in the first day when he was sitting in the House chamber, he didn't really sit by anyone. He really sat to himself. You saw him try to make conversation. But even since some of these reports have come to light, you have seen more of his Republican colleagues coming out with statements calling on him to resign. Even people that you saw once him talking in the hallway with just a 
few seconds ago, like Representative Max Miller, who he was talking to in the hallway, but then shortly after went out with a statement and just called on Santos to resign. So right now, a lot of his Republican colleagues don't really want to even work with him. That's the sense that you're getting. And that's what's frustrating voters in his district the most, is that what is the point of having a lawmaker if even his own Republican colleagues don't want to work with him? So essentially, what can you really do? How effective can he be to represent his constituents if his own colleagues don't even want to work with him? And has that evolved at all in the last few weeks? I mean, are you seeing some Republicans start to warm up to him or that he's been able to, like, find some friends? In the beginning, Republican lawmakers didn't even really want to even talk about the situation or the issues revolving around George Santos. And so now you see a lot of mixed responses. Several Republicans have come out calling on him to resign. But then you have others like Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, who have come to his defense and saying that he does deserve that at least the time, the right to try to represent his constituents in Congress. I'm also curious about where Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy lands on this, because I could see the problems with having a member of your party who is essentially a known liar. But at the same time, McCarthy does not have extra votes to be messing around with. He has such a thin majority in the House. He needs everyone on board with him. And so I could see the need to have Santos on his side. McCarthy refused to answer anything about Santos and really declined to answer any reporters' questions. And then he gave an interview with CNN where he essentially said that George Santos has every right to be in Congress because he was elected by voters. Voters made the decision and he has a right to serve. So, if there is something that rises to the occasion that he did something wrong, then we'll deal with that at that time. He decided not to implement any negative punishments on George Santos. And a lot of that is really seen because he knows that he needs every vote he can get in order to pass all of his legislative agenda. There is a concern. He has to go through the ethics. We'll let him move through that. Uh, but right now, the voters have, have a voice in the decision. It's not where people pick and choose based upon what somebody's pressing on. Would you, uh, so he will continue to serve. What were the punishments that McCarthy could have put into play if he wanted to? There was a lot of speculation at the time whether McCarthy would just not give him any committee assignments or even put it to a vote, mm. really, whether he should even stay in Congress. But a lot of that signaled that it was unclear, especially when Santos ended up voting time and time again for McCarthy to become House Speaker. And so that really signaled that McCarthy needs every vote he can get. And so he is balancing that line, whether to completely denounce Santos or just kind of distance himself from it. And you can see from just even that recent interview he did with CNN, he's mitigating any responsibility that he has to implement any negative consequences to Santos and just essentially saying that it's the voters now that have to deal with him as their representative in Congress. So it sounds like what you're saying is that there is an expectation that with time, his Republican colleagues are just going to have to hold their noses and still work with Santos because if they want to get anything passed, that they're probably going to need his vote. That's right. It was really interesting recently how Republican Representative James Comer came out and said that it's not up to me or any other member of Congress uh, to, to determine whether he could be kicked out for lying. Now, if he broke campaign finance laws, then he will be removed. 
Now, mind you, one of the things that's really interesting is that when George Santos ran for office, any candidate who runs for office has to file financial disclosure forms. And if there's any finding that they knowingly falsified any information on those documents, then they could break any number of laws. And so when Republican Representative James Comer came out and said that if there's any findings that George Santos broke or violated any campaign finance laws and he would be removed from Congress, that was the most serious tone we've seen a Republican take against Santos. After the break, Martine and Camila discuss what New York's third district is saying about the man representing them in Congress. We'll be right back. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. So, Camila, you've actually been doing some reporting in Santos's home district. Can you tell me about what you were doing there? So I went to George Santos' district to talk to voters to really get a better sense. We know what's been happening in Congress, but just get a better sense of what voters in his district are feeling now that more developments are coming out about him fabricating large parts of his resume and even about personal aspects of his life. A lot of them I talked to, both Democratic and Republican, have just essentially said the same thing, that they're really disappointed to hear these reports, that they feel embarrassed that they have someone like this representing them in Congress and that they want him out. I've talked to people who voted for him and just saying that they really are outraged at just the reports that have come out since he's been elected. But what can they do? Like, is there any power that they actually have to act on this anger and frustration, feeling like they were lied to in the election? Several residents in George Santos' district have actually formed a organization, a, a group that sole purpose is to try to get him out in office. And so I went to a press conference that they held where Democratic Representative Richie Torres also spoke, who's been spearheading the effort to really just raise alarm on George Santos. And they held this press conference just essentially saying that this is not the person that they voted for. And these are people who voted for him or against him. And they're not just Democratic. They're also Republican. Look, I'm, I'm here not only as a congressman who wants to protect the public and Congress from a charlatan who threatens to corrupt Congress from within. For me, it's outrageous that you can lie flagrantly to the voters without facing legal repercussions. And so they just say that Every chance they get, they're going to voice their opinions and they're going to reach out to their local representatives in the state house to really make sure that it's known that they want him out of office and they're going to do whatever they can to make this known. George Santos has essentially lied about every aspect of his life. All of these lies would be laughable were it not for the fact that he is a United States congressman. Yes. And he defrauded his way to the United States Congress. How many people were at this press conference? And, and talk a little bit more about the vibe there and what people were saying. 
You know, it was held in a small conference room located in a hotel. And there was a lot of press there, but I was really surprised just to see the amount of residents that came out and showed up and really stood behind Richie Torres while some of the residents just talked about how they were really surprised and shocked when they heard the news, but it really galvanized them into action. I'm really thrilled that the local Republicans, most of them, not all of them, have come out and called for his resignation. I know that was hard for them. Um, And we applaud that. And so what we're doing is we're pushing on all ends. We're pushing for investigations. We're pushing, because we know that'll bring pressure on everybody. And we're pushing our local elected officials. One of the people I spoke to at the press conference was Jody Cass-Finkel. She was spearheading this effort. And she essentially said that she knew a lot of people who voted for him who were feeling some kind of buyer's remorse, regret for voting for someone who they ultimately just know nothing about. Oh, there's absolutely buyer's remorse. I did not vote for him. But if, if he had been who he said he was, you know, educated, well-versed in finance, well-versed in real estate, Jewish, um, I could have lived with him. And what are they trying to do to essentially rescind the results of the election? Some of the voters I talked to just want to put as much pressure as possible on George Santos. And that means talking to their family and members about it, their friends about it, just really expressing the gravity of the situation that they feel that when they send someone to Congress, it's in hopes that they are representing their best interests and they have no confidence that he can actually do that. A few weeks ago, Democratic Representative Richie Torres and one of his colleagues hand-delivered a ethics complaint to George Santos that they were going to submit to the House Ethics Committee against him. Right. So we're going through the ethics process. We filed a complaint with the Ethics Committee. We hand-delivered the complaint to Mr. Santos himself in his office, in his presence. And if the Ethics Committee or the FEC find evidence of falsification and fraud, and they almost certainly will, then, then that's grounds on which to expel. Uh, so that's So we're going through the process. There's three realistic ways that Santos could potentially leave Congress. That is, one, the House putting it to a vote. They need two-thirds vote of members to vote him out of office. There's also a ethics investigation that can be conducted into Santos. We already know that Richie Torres sent in a formal ethics complaint against him, and they can conduct their own investigation and find if he's done any wrongdoings, and that may prompt Republicans to take up a vote. There's also the third way, and that is a federal investigation. We now know that U.S. federal prosecutors are looking in to see if he violated any U.S. laws. And so if that's found that he did violate those laws and then is formally charged and then put to court, then that could be another way that he gets out of office is him going potentially to prison. So now, how is Santos positioning himself in the House, and what is his game plan going forward? So recently, George Santos has talked to the media, but it's only just to emphasize that he is refusing to resign. He has said time and time again that he has no plans to resign and that voters elected him. And so he has every right to serve out his two years. And that is not making voters that I talked to in his district happy. They feel that he should resign, that he did not present himself as truthfully as he should have, and therefore they have a right to pick another person. Camila, thank you so much for explaining all this. Thanks for having me on. 
Camila DeShalas is a congressional reporter for The Post. She was talking to my co-host, Martine Powers. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Jordan Marie Smith. It was mixed by Sam Baer, and it was edited by Rena Flores. We are keeping a close eye on the other big politics story coming out of Capitol Hill this week, the debt ceiling fight. Whether you're following it closely or just have general questions like, what even is a debt ceiling? Our Post reporters have got you covered. Check out more of our stories on the debt ceiling standoff at WashingtonPost.com. I'm Elahe Izadi. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen.